Bibles are open. If you were here this morning, I'm sure it looked a little familiar to you. Uh, we uh, read and I preached from this same passage this morning. It'll sort of be our springboard uh, for the message tonight. Thus far, as I've, in the month of December, I've been preaching about the, the cast of characters, if you will, that the Lord assembled to be a part of what we call the Christmas story. Uh, we talked about Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth. Uh, Elizabeth was Mary's older cousin, a much older lady, uh, and they were going to be the parents of John the Baptist. That is where Luke starts his account. Uh, we talked about Mary, the lady that God chose uh, to be the vessel through which uh, his son would be born. This morning we talked about Joseph, a remarkable man, uh, just an incredible man that challenges us in our own walk uh, with the Lord. And time would fail to, to take the... the uh, many, many sermons about all the other people that are involved in what we call the Christmas story. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about the event itself, and we'll, we'll, we'll see the shepherds just a little bit. Probably the Sunday after that or so, we're going to talk about the wise men. Uh, but they, these are people from all walks of life. Joseph and Mary were humble people that lived up in the hill country of, of Galilee in the town of Nazareth. Uh, Joseph was a carpenter. We know from scripture that they didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they were actually a very poor couple. Uh, and yet uh, God chose them and God reached down into their lives and said, I know this is what you've got planned, but I've got a bigger purpose for you. I've got a bigger plan for your life. Zacharias and Elizabeth had served the Lord their entire lives. Uh, they've been faithful. The Bible says they were righteous before God. They were blameless in the sight of God. Uh, they were old and well stricken in age. And yet Zacharias, long after time of retirement, uh, is still serving in the temple. And they're, they're doing their best to serve God. And God came to that elderly couple and said, I'm not done with you. I've got something. In fact, the greatest thing that you'll ever do is about to happen for you. The wise men, as far as we can tell, were not even Jewish. The Bible says they came from the east to Jerusalem, probably the region where Babylon would have been located and so forth. Um, and these were, these were educated men. Uh, these were men of great wealth. They had a lot of position in society. The kings of the east would call upon the wise men for counsel, whether it was about the finances or about going to war and so forth. And these wise men... Uh, though they were set in their ways and they had, they had great careers, they, they, they were men of great renown. God said, I need you to leave where you are because I've got something so very important that I need you to be a part of. In Luke chapter 2, uh, a month and a half or so after Jesus was born, there was an elderly man that uh, came to the temple, it sounds like almost every day, his name was Simeon. God had made a promise to that man and said, before you die, with your own eyes, you are going to see the Lord's Christ. You're going to see it. And he walked in just as Joseph and Mary uh, were in the temple with, with uh, Jesus. He was a month and a half, maybe two months old uh, for his dedication. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, that's the one right there. And this elderly man who we're not sure what his job was earlier in, in his younger days. Uh, we don't know if he was a Levite. We don't know if he served in the temple or if he was just a godly man, faithful to the Lord. But God said, I'm not done with you yet. And on and on it goes with these individuals that were living their lives, living good lives, 
living decent lives. They were people that loved God. But God said, I've got a different plan for you. For some of them, it was going to uproot everything about them. For Joseph and Mary, it was going to change their lives. We've talked about uh, all the stigma that would have been associated uh, with, the, with that young couple when she was found with child before their wedding day. Um, and by Joseph marrying her, he was, he was accepting that stigma into his own life. It wasn't always an easy road. For the wise men, it was going to be uh, about, we think about a two-year journey of preparation, getting everything together uh, to get a caravan to cross the, the, the desert sands of the Middle East and find their way to Jerusalem following this star that God had placed in the night sky to guide them. Uh, there was an enormous outlay of finances for them. There was a lot of risk. Traveling in, in those days uh, was, was very dangerous oftentimes. For the shepherds, they were people that uh, everybody just kind of, they knew they were there, but nobody really noticed them. Uh, they were out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night, and the Lord came and told them uh, through the, the message of the angel, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Do you realize they left their flocks out in the field, and they came to the, the place where Jesus was. They were kind of putting their whole career on the line for that, even if it was for but one night, they had no idea that they were going to go from just being shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night, to finding their story on the pages of Scripture for all of eternity. These were individuals that found out that God had a special purpose for their lives. We call it the will of God. They found out that God had a plan and God wanted to use them in that plan. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the apostle Paul writes to us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, it's not unreasonable for God to ask us to serve him. It's not unreasonable for God to ask us to yield to him for whatever purpose it is that he has created us. He says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For Joseph, Mary, Zacharias, Elizabeth, the shepherds, Simeon, a lady by the name of Anna, and so forth. They all had a plan for their lives. And from what we can tell from Scripture, their plan was a good one. There was nothing wrong with it. But they came to a moment, they found out from, from the Lord himself, I have a different plan for you. I have something very specific by one of you. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 17 teaches us, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Between Romans and Ephesians, we find out this matter of God's plan for someone's life isn't just limited to one or two characters in this, this great cast of people. It's for every single one of us. God made me for a reason and for a purpose, and God made you for a reason and for a purpose. And he wants us to be wise and to understand what that is. Tonight, I want to take a few moments and just consider from these individuals in the cast of what we call the Christmas story, just some simple thoughts about this wonderful thing called the will of God. This, this, this thing called the will of God. Number one, the will of God 
places people like you and I, ordinary people, into roles that will change eternity. You think of all the billions of people that have lived on planet Earth. Sometimes I'll walk down here to Center Street to the cemetery uh, and walk through there. It's a quiet place. I used to go there quite often, just a quiet place to pray and talk to the Lord. And uh, you walk by and a lot of the, the tombstones now, they've been there for two, three, four hundred years. And there, there's, there's really not much to read anymore. The weathering has taken the names and the dates and, and so forth off. And I realized, you know, that was somebody's dad or mom, somebody's grandparents, somebody's child. I wonder what they did. I wonder if they were a carpenter. I, I, I wonder if they were a doctor. I wonder if that person was, was saved or lost. And, and they lived and they died. And now there's just a, 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 you know, a worn stone over uh, the place where their body is laid. Um, you understand that, that uh, people get forgotten over the course of time, but in the will of God, when, when we yield to that, it's not just that we lived and died. We get to make a change, maybe in somebody else's life, for all of eternity. I, I, I appreciated John's testimony about you, Brother Walter. Um, he is, uh, you know, he's living down there at Bella Vista, and he had a nurse that came in, and, and uh, Walter took the time to share a gospel tract, and that lady got saved. Do you understand that Walter's nurse is now going to spend eternity in heaven? Because Walter said, God wants me to be a soul winner. And that's, that's not a spiritual gift. That's a calling for every one of us. But doing the will of God as it's found in the word of God, it, it places us in the position to make an eternal difference in someone's life and not to just end up being a faded tombstone somewhere in a cemetery. When Abraham left Ur of the Chaldees at the leadership of God, he had no idea all that God was going to do throughout the history because of his one simple act of obedience. And God said, I want you to go, a land, go to a land that I will show thee of. And he said, there I will make of thee a great nation. And, and he said, all nations of the earth are going to be blessed through him. Abraham didn't know the whole story, but he, the Bible says he believed God. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham somehow through his conversations with God understood that through him, someday was going to come this promised savior. And by Abraham obeying God, he changed the history of the world and he affected history for all of eternity. Joseph went to Egypt as a slave. In his mind, he couldn't see how that could be a good thing, but not only was he one day going to be used to stay, save his family from worldwide starvation, it was through the family of Jacob that the Messiah was going to come, Abraham's grandson. And uh, uh, Joseph was a part of that wonderful story. Andrew met Jesus on the, uh, the, the banks of the Jordan River. Uh, Andrew was a disciple of John the Baptist. And, and the Bible says he went out and he found his brother Peter and said, um, he saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted the Christ. Andrew had no idea that when he brought his brother and introduced his brother Peter to the Lord Jesus Christ, that Peter was going to be uh, one of the first uh, of the apostles by name, that Peter was going to be in the inner circle of Christ during those three years of ministry, that his brother Peter would one day walk on water. 
He had no idea that Peter would be the one preaching on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved. He had no idea that his brother that he brought to Christ was going to pen two books of the Bible under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You understand, Andrew didn't walk on water and Andrew didn't write two books of the Bible. Andrew was a soul winner on the day of Pentecost, but it's only Peter's sermon that's heard. Do you realize if it hadn't been for an Andrew, there might never have been a Peter. The will of God has a way of taking us and putting us into a, in, a, in a position that changes eternity. Whether it's a young man saying, I have a career path marked out for me. I know what I want to do. And then God says, but I want you to be a preacher. And that young man surrenders to that. Uh, not that what he wanted in the past was bad, but it wasn't God's plan. He changes eternity. Um, all of those things are important for us to remember. The will of God places people into roles that change eternity. This coming November, or next November 2024, we'll have our annual ladies conference. In, in uh, this past summer, we met evangelist Kurt Copeland. He preached at Powerhouse. Uh, his wife uh, is going to be coming, and she's going to be one of our speakers. Our theme this year at the ladies conference is This is My Story. Psalm 90 says that we spend our years as a tale that is told. Uh, and Mrs. Copeland is going to, we ask her specifically to come. She's going to share her story, and I'm not stealing her thunder. You know, we're still talking 11 months away from now. But when Mrs. Copeland was a little girl, her and her family were in a horrific car accident. They were hit by a drunk driver. And on that night of that car accident, if I'm remembering correctly, both of her parents, their lives were lost in that car accident. And she was raised by relatives and her life was completely uprooted by a drunk driver. Uh, in the course of time, she got saved, went to church, grew up in church, went off to Bible college. That's where she met her husband and so forth. They've been serving the Lord now for many, many years. The young man in that car accident went to prison because he was driving under the influence. Uh, he had broken a number of laws in that state uh, on that night, and I don't know how long he served in prison, but eventually he got out. Mrs. Copeland found out about it. Now, you, you and I probably don't understand how she must have felt and the emotions growing up about all of that, but she became convinced that God wanted her to find that young man or that man, he's not young anymore, and uh, reach out to him. And so she, she searched and scoured the internet and, and uh, she tracked him down. And it was hard. She just knew God wanted her to do it. She put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. And uh, finally she realized this is what God wants her to do. And she went and found him, reached out to him and told her who she was. And, and told him, you took my parents' lives that night driving drunk under the influence. And long story short, she led that man to Christ. It's a story of mercy. It's a story of forgiveness. It's, it's, it's an incredible story, and, and I'm glossing over much of it uh, just for sake of time but here's, here's a lady who grew up and her life was drastically changed by a man uh, driving drunk, took her mom and dad out of her life. And yet she came to this point of finding out 
I want you to go talk to him. I want you to find him. I want you to share your faith with him. That man got saved. Ladies, you're going to be astounded when you hear the story in full. You see, when we feel that prompting from the Holy Spirit, when we see commands of Scripture, we don't always understand them. They're not always easy for us to do. But if you will follow the Lord's leadership, as did Joseph and Mary and Zacharias and Elizabeth, uh, the wise men, the shepherds, and so forth, you find yourself as a part of something that is much bigger than you are. It is the plan of Almighty God that's going to affect eternity. The will of God not only places people into roles that change eternity, the will of God presents those people with a choice. God didn't force Abraham to leave Ur the Chaldees and go to Canaan. He said, arise, leave your family, leave your kindred, go to a land that I will show thee of. But Abraham at some point had to make the decision, well, I don't even know where God wants me to go. God didn't tell him. He said, basically, when you get there, I'll say, you're here. Um, Abraham could have just said in Ur of the Chaldees and said, well, I don't have enough information about this and it just seems like a risky, he could have done all kinds of rationalization like we tend to do sometimes or he could go, he was faced with a choice. Um, I'm going to guess Mary could have said no. I'm going to guess that Mary could have understood uh, what everybody was going to think about her if she just announces that she's with child, she's, she's engaged, uh, her and Joseph haven't come together yet. Uh, they're not going to believe that an angel appeared to her and so forth. At some point, uh, Mary had to, she had a choice, and that is her choice was made when she said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That choice when we... We see the will of God. It's either faith or unbelief. Do I believe God or not? Do I believe the Bible or not? Is God's word true? Can I rely on God? Will God keep his promise? Is it going to be faith or unbelief? When Zacharias, the angel Gabriel, told him that his wife would have a child, he responded in unbelief. And Mary, with a similar message, she responded in faith. We respond, he, he responded in faith. It's, it's uh, faith or fear. Am I going to trust and believe that God can take care of me? Or am I going to be afraid of what people think? Am I going to be afraid of what, how much is this going to cost me? What, what, what if it doesn't go right? Or am I going to simply trust in the Lord? Faith and fear do not coexist. They just don't. In, Matthew, in, in Mark chapter 4, uh, in verse number 40, on that night in the Sea of Galilee, the disciples had the Savior right there with them physically. And there was a storm on the sea, and their response was, Master, carest thou not that we perish? You don't even care about us. Why are you going to let us die like this? And Jesus went ahead and calmed the, the waves and the wind, but then he asked them this question, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? Faith and my fear can't live together. I have to choose one or the other. It's faith or impatience. God had given to Simeon a promise that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. We don't know how old he was when God gave him the promise. He could have been a teenager. He could have been middle-aged. He could have been retired. We have no idea. We know that when the fulfillment came, that he was an elderly man. At any point, he could have just stopped going into the temple and said, I know God promised it, but I've been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I'm tired of waiting. And he could have just gone off on his own, but... As was his custom, faithfully, he's going into the temple. And, and because of that patience and trust in the Lord, he got to see the Lord's Christ. 
Hebrews 10 verse 36 says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. Faith or neglect. When the, when, look at Matthew chapter 2. When the wise men came into Jerusalem, it says in verse 2, saying, Where is he that is born the king, of the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Herod was a genius. Herod was a, a builder uh, extraordinaire. He built palaces all over the land of Israel. Uh, he took the temple built in the days of Haggai and Zechariah, and uh, he expanded it to where it almost rivaled the temple of Solomon. He took swampland on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and he filled it in and he built the seaport city of Caesarea, the remains of which uh, remain today, 2,000 years later. Some of the things in that city, like the, the Colosseum, are still being used today, 2,000 years later. He was an incredibly brilliant man, but he was nuts. He, he had, a, he had a, 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 a bit of insanity and it kind of ran in his family. He was paranoid that, that uh, everybody was trying to get rid of him. Um, he poisoned several of his own children. He killed, I think he killed his mom. Uh, he killed one or two of his wives in the course of time. Uh, Herod was always worried that somebody wanted to take his throne. So here come the wise men. Where is he that is born king of the Jews? And when Herod heard these things, he was troubled. What do you mean king of the Jews? I'm the king of the Jews. He wasn't even Jewish. He was Edomite. The Romans had set him up as a puppet king. And now these guys come in and say, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? And it says in all Jerusalem with him. The people in Israel, especially in Jerusalem, they knew how volatile Herod's mentality was. And they knew that if Herod thought that there was a plot against him, uh, that, that he would just go in, into kill mode and nobody was safe from him. When he, that is the king, had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and he quotes Micah chapter 5, verse 3, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. When you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. You understand that the chief priests, the, the keepers of the written word of God, they knew where the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. These wise men came and said, we've seen his star. That's also an Old Testament prophecy from Numbers chapter 24, I believe verse number 17. The ones who supposedly knew the Bible now got the message, your Messiah is here. They have a choice. Am I going to go meet him? Or am I just going to go live in my life the way it is because I don't want anything to mess up my routine. I don't want to make Herod mad. Uh, as we understand the scriptures, the chief priests, the scribes, not a one of them made that three-mile journey to Bethlehem to meet the Lord Jesus Christ. The wise men did, but not them. And every time you and I are presented with the will of God, it might be the Lord prompting us to give a gospel tract to someone. 
It might be the Lord prompting us to pick up the phone and make a phone call to somebody. It, it might be the Lord uh, saying, I know you've got this plan for your life and there's nothing wrong with that except I, have, I want you to do something else. Do you understand, Matt, Matt Gerber could probably go out and make lots of money at whatever he sets his mind to. Uh, he's a man of many, many talents. Um, he, you know, he can sing, he can run, he's funny, he's tall. Uh, he's got all kinds of things going for him. He's diligent, he's got character. And, and I don't know if there was a time in his life Matt looked forward and said, I want to be this or I want to be that when I grow up. But at some point while he was a young man, he found out God had a plan for him and God said, I want you to be a missionary. So what's he gonna do? He has a choice. The will of God always presents, our, presents us with a choice. By the way, I'm glad that Matt made the choice to follow the Lord. There are people half a world away from us whose lives are being changed because a teenager from this church said the will of God is more important than the will of me. That comes, that comes to every one of us. So this matter of the will of God, there's a third thing I want us to understand. Not only does the will of God place people like us into roles that change eternity, and they present each one of us with a choice, the will of God provides people with the opportunity to have a closer walk with God than they've ever had before. We read about the wise men in uh, Matthew 2. Let's read on just a little bit. Verse 9. The king said, just you go find him and as soon as you do, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And that was a lie. We knew he wanted to kill him. When they heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. When they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The wise men, contrary to all the mythology, were not in Bethlehem at the, uh, at the manger. Uh, we see all the depictions on Christmas cards and so forth and the wise men and the shepherds, everybody mingling together. Uh, the wise men came uh, to a house, not to a manger. He wasn't a baby uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes. The Bible says he was a young child. From what we know later in Acts chapter 2, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, uh, based on the information of the wise men, that star had appeared about two years before they showed up in Jerusalem. So he was probably a two-year-old. But I want you to understand by following the will of God, those wise men found themselves in the presence of God who became flesh. That night in the field, those shepherds that left their flocks and went to the manger, you, you realize they're, they're sitting there and they're, they're watching Mary holding this little baby and, and his brother Benny sang so well for us tonight. When they looked into that, the face of that baby, they were looking into the face of God. Joseph and Mary, do you understand the relationship that they had with the Lord Jesus Christ? Second to none. None of us will even comprehend what they got to live on a daily basis. 
When we rebel against the will of God, whether it's a simple commandment in Scripture, whether it's that prompting of the Holy Spirit, whether it's that leadership of God, and it causes us to make a choice about the course of our lives, when we neglect that, we rebel against that, we actually walk away from the presence of God. The prodigal son, he did his own thing. And for a while it was fun. For a while he was rich. For a while he had a lot of friends. He, he spent his substance in riotous living. But he didn't realize the whole time he was doing that, he was so far away from his father. And when everything else failed in his life, his friends forsook him, his money's gone. He's a Jewish boy in a pig pen feeding swine, wishing he could eat as well as they did. It was at that moment he realized he had money and he had friends and he had fun. But what he really missed out on, he didn't have his father. So he had to turn around and go home. Everybody in this, this wonderful Christmas story that yielded to the will of God found themselves in the presence of the Lord in a way that they never imagined possible. And as you and I go through our daily lives, Sometimes it's a big thing. When I was 16, God challenged me with the course of my life. And for me, it was a matter of, I was going to have to give up my scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh. Uh, I was going to have to forego being a journalist and, and all of my plans and all of my dreams and every one of them was fine. But that night in June of 1974, I was faced with a choice from God, either be a preacher like God wants me to, to, to be or do my own thing. Well, I'm glad I decided to do what God wanted me to do. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I did um, because God's been good to me. I, I look back over these last uh, nearly 50 years uh, since I made that decision, 49 years now, and there have been some, some ups and there have been some downs. There have been some difficult days. There have been some long, dark nights. But through all of this, God has been so very, very good. And getting to know God, getting to walk with God, is the greatest thing in life. Not that every day I, ever, I do every single thing as I ought to, but I, I, mentioned, I may have mentioned this this morning. I've never regretted saying yes to God, but I have regretted being stubborn and doing my own thing. So we're looking at these incredible individuals. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11 about those in the Old Testament and now for us, those whose stories are written for us in the New Testament. Now all, thing, all these things happen unto them for ensamples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So what are you and I gonna do with the will of God for our lives? We know what Joseph did. Good choice. We know what Mary did, great choice. We know about the shepherds and the wise men and Herod and the chief priests and scribes. We can pick their stories from all over the gospel accounts. We know what they did. What remains now is what are we gonna do? Will we follow in the footsteps of Joseph and Mary or will we follow in the footsteps of a King Herod? and say, I'm the king of my life. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm gonna do what I want. I don't need him. Bad choice for Herod. Bad choice for Herod. Can we bow our heads for prayer? Father, thank you.